We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRADIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Well, thank you, Eric Balkman. This is indeed the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Uh, before we get into the show, obviously, RV Radio 2022 is where you want to, what you want to do for your rotaviz.com promo code. That's a listeners only 10% discount or viewers only 10% discount in this case. Uh, subscription, uh, subscription gives you unlimited access to all the Rotoviz con- uh, content as well as all the Rotoviz tools, and it supports the podcast channel that allows us to do the show each and every week. Now, um, before I get into tonight's guest, we have a special thing going on with the FFPC, something we've never really done before. It's the FFPC Weekly Challenge. If you love the playoff challenge format, you're going to love this new contest as well. There's no draft. There's no salary cap. You choose 10 or 12 players by kickoff on Sunday, and you watch them ride it out. Through all the weekend's games, only one player per NFL team. You can enter for 35 bucks, you can enter for $200, and you can win up to $10,000. 30-team contest, 150-team contest. You can play the classic or the slim with uh, no kickers and defense. You can enter up to three times in the 30-team contest or five times in the 150-team contest. Go to myffpc.com slash weekly challenge to join that right now. I have a feeling... Tonight's guest may or may not be joining those challenges uh, this week as well. Let's bring him in right now. He has won seven, count them, seven FFPC main event and football guys leagues over the course of his career. He has uh, five top 10 overall finishes in the NFFC, NFBC, and the FFPC. 
And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at the underscore guilds. Please welcome into the program once again, Andrew Geller. Andrew, what's up, man? Hey, Valky. How you doing? Doing Thanks for good. having me on. Oh, I'm excited to have you. Thank you, number one, for doing the Better Sports Network coverage of the live FFPC drafts back in Vegas with myself and Kyle Elfrank. That was awesome. And by the way, Better Sports Network, the high-stakes fantasy football show airing tomorrow, 10 to 12 Eastern times on the uh, Better Sports Network app. Make sure you're checking that out. Uh, download the app so you have the opportunity to win all the prizes we're going to give away on that show. Um, but getting back to uh, you, number one, let's kick things off. I don't think I asked you this before. Where does the guilds come from? What is the what is the etymology <laughs> of your team name? Because I know it used to be the guilds. Now you've branched off into other different team names, which is totally cool. But on Twitter, the underscore guilds. Yeah, so I had a buddy. It's back in uh, high school. Uh, used to hang out, be at parties, and he would be a little uh, intoxicated, I guess you could say. And he'd be trying to say my last name, and he would just mumble out like this guild thing. <laughs> and so me and my, my buddies were like, what is he even saying? We didn't even know what he was saying. And then it kind of stuck from there. So, I mean, this is, you know, going on, I don't even know, 15 plus years now. So I just brought that to Twitter, and that kind of became, you know, my handle, you know, my persona, if you will, you know? Um, all right. So the other thing I'll bring up, too, is you have your Twitter photo. Danny Dimes. So yeah. is this, is this, I, and I can never tell, and I don't want to insult you now. Is this because you're a fan of Daniel Jones or because you dislike Daniel Jones? No. Nah, so I, I, somebody had posted that, you know, you, when he was first drafted, you know, a few years ago and I saw that on Twitter and I, I actually DM the guy. I'm like, do you mind if I steal that? I'm like, this is amazing. Um, I just, there's something about it. I don't know. I just thought it was hilarious. So I put it as my, as my avatar and it kind of just stuck since then. And I'm hoping uh, he plays well, so I don't have to take down my my Twitter avatar next year. But... <laughs> well, do you think he's going to play well this year? Because it seems like he's uh, off to an okay start. You know what? I think they're winning, like in spite of him right now. I mean, he's not making the the big, you know, fumbles or, or the big mental mistakes. Um, he actually he had a huge clutch play to, to win the you know to ice the game last week, but. Mm -hmm. um, if you can keep those mistakes down, I mean, you see flashes, you see those moments where you're like, this guy has the skills, you know, he has that, that skill set. he's mobile, he can make every throw. And you're just like, you know, that's what's so disappointing. You see those flashes and he's just not consistent enough. So yeah, this is it. It's a do or die year. If he doesn't do it, he's probably gone after this year, but I'm still going to keep that, that avatar no matter what. It's a it's a gorgeous avatar, which we have up on the screen right now. And we see where we can follow you, obviously, at the underscore guilds, which is uh, good stuff. But let's get in to the meat and potatoes of the program tonight. And we'll kick things off. And I'm trying to talk about players that you have invested in this year. Um, some heavily, maybe some not so heavily. But DK Metcalf, 71 yards through his first two games of the Geno Smith era. Leave it up to you, Andrew. Why should or why should people not be panicking and, and maybe contemplating about benching him in week three, I, which I think he has Atlanta this week. So it's a pretty good matchup. Um, yeah. Why should or should not people be benching uh, DK Metcalf in week three? I'm never benching him. Uh, never is has... a strong word. Never is a strong word. I mean, he's just a guy. He's one of those rare you know, guys in fantasy that can go off for 30 any week. You don't want to be too, you know, uh, think too too much about it and sit him when he goes off for that, you know, 
six for 80 and two touchdown week. Um, he did get what 13 targets in two games. I mean, it's not He's terrible. Been getting a lot of targets. That's true. A lot of targets. And I did read something earlier too, that they're, uh, they're trying to open up the passing game, you know, moving forward. So his time will come. He's too, he's too big. He's too fast. You know, if Gino can just kind of, you know, keep his head above water and, you know, be somewhat, you know, average even, it's just not terrible. I think, you know, the points will come. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was getting, he was getting drafted in what round five, six. So, I mean, you probably have a good three or four better options, you know, definitely three right now, but yeah, he's going to take up my second flex more often, you know, unless he gets hurt, I'm just going to roll with it. And, you know, his floor is still, you know, 10, 11, 12 fantasy points. You're not, you know, you're not getting nothing from him, but those blow up games are going to come sooner than later. DK Metcalf drafted as Andrew pointed out wide receiver 28. Um, this was the last two days of the FFPC main event. So that's Saturday and that Sunday. Metcalf wide receiver 28 at the 506, right behind Rashad Bateman, right behind Chris Godwin. And then, of course, right ahead of Darnell Mooney and ahead of Michael Thomas. And true to Andrew's uh, uh, statement, six targets in game one against the Niners for four catches for 35 yards. And then in the last game, he caught all seven of his targets for 36 yards. So maybe not the yardage you're looking for, but still heavily involved in the right, passing yeah. game, which is really what you're looking for at this point, because the yardage will come as Andrew just stated. Now the yardage came for Garrett Wilson in game two, huge game for him. And Corey Davis, you know, you can make the case. Oh yeah. He had a big game too. But remember one of those big plays that he had was that busted coverage for the Browns at the end. Um, so here's what we know about Garrett Wilson, highly drafted uh, rookie receiver, Big part of their future, but started the season playing behind Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Now Garrett Wilson has the big game in week two. Elijah Moore, not so much. What does Garrett Wilson's big game mean for FFPC players who are looking either to start him or and or maybe Elijah Moore going forward, Andrew? Yeah, so uh, Garrett Wilson's in your lineup every week moving forward. That's it. I mean – he had the pedigree coming out. Everybody was concerned about the the situation with Zach Wilson and the Jets. That's the only reason why he was falling in drafts. I mean, you saw Drake London. He was getting picked in like the sixth, seventh round. He went to a good situation in Atlanta. If you reverse those roles, Garrett Wilson would have been taken in round six or seven. Uh, but, yeah, he just jumps off the screen. You could tell. I mean, it's one of these guys you see like uh, Chase or Justin Jefferson. That's what you see, you know, on the field now with Garrett Wilson. Um as long as the quarterback play is, you know, even mediocre, he's going to probably smash his ADP. And uh, Elijah Moore, unfortunately, I think is the uh, is the casualty to, to what we're going to see moving forward. I think he's going to be startable. Don't get me wrong. But the idea that Elijah Moore is going to be a top 15, 20 wide receiver, I think that's already out the window. Yeah. You're willing to make that call this early in the season on Elijah Moore? Yeah, I think uh, – I think Garrett Wilson already, I mean, you could see the Elijah Moore is very good too. Don't get me wrong. He's a solid, he's going to be a solid player. You know, I would definitely flex him every week and, you know, but the idea that, or the hope that he was going to be the alpha, the, the guy that's commanding all the targets. I think that's, that's out the window now. Interesting. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, like when you saw Justin Jefferson and, and Chase, um, even Tony, you know, his first couple of games, you can see it all, you know, just jump off the screen. I mean, they're special. They're special talents. So I think he's going to be the, the, the alpha there. He's going to command the targets. And unfortunately, Elijah Moore, you know, he'll probably be second 
uh, and target from what I think. I think I, st I still think he's going to be like, you know, like a Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, where they both could be solid fantasy contributors. But if, if you're asking me right now who I want moving forward, it's Garrett Wilson. All right. So sure. let me ask you this. How does that analysis change when I'm assuming the inevitable return of Zach Wilson will not Joe Flacco out of the starting quarterback position? So when that happens, how much are you reevaluating Davis Moore and Wilson? Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, but it's funny. Last year we saw Flacco favor Elijah Moore, so it's interesting that you see him now. He's eyeing uh, Garrett Wilson over Moore, but I mean that's the big question. None of us really know, and that's pretty much why Wilson was falling in drafts is just because the uncertainty around Zach Wilson. You know, we don't really know if he's good. I mean, yeah. he could very well go out there and just you know stink up the joint, and you're like, oh, put in Joe Flacco, <laughs> Joe Flacco back in there, but. Um, I don't know. I'm leaning on the side that Wilson's going to be good. You know, I like he's got a huge arm. He's mobile. Um, the pieces are there. Um, the offensive line is a little shaky. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if Joe Flacco could, could produce, I mean, you, you would think a young stud like this can, too. So I think the arrow is fully pointing up for all Jets running backs as well, which is good. And, and I'll, I'll ask you about the Jets running backs here in a little bit, but I just want to get this out the window. Uh, week one for Garrett Wilson, eight targets. He makes four catches for 52 yards. Week two, 14 targets, eight catches, 102 yards. Obviously, the two touchdowns we saw. Elijah Moore, week one, uh, five receptions on seven targets. Only three uh, catches for five targets in week two. But that's still 12 targets for him in the first two weeks. Garrett Wilson, 22 targets. This is something we will monitor going forward. Something else we're going to monitor going forward, which is something you just alluded to with the Jets. Brees Hall, first NFL touchdown this past week, and to me, outplayed um, Michael Carter on similar touches. Um, have we already seen the transition of Brees Hall from Michael Carter start to happen, Andrew? I think so. I, I think Carter's good enough where he's he's, he's going to be a factor all season just because, I mean, he's pretty good in his own right. But uh, you could definitely see the talent disparity when, when both are on the field. Um, Brees Hall just has that stud, you know, workhorse, uh, three down skill set. Um, so I think as time goes on and week by week, we're going to see more and more uh, Brees Hall than Michael Carter. But I, unless Carter goes out, I, I don't see them fully just giving it like JT last year. I don't see that happening uh, just because I think Carter is good enough in his own right. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think end of the season, you're going to want to have Brees Hall uh, in your starting lineup. If not, by midseason, even I mean he's already produced on you know limited touches in the first two weeks, so very bullish on him moving forward. You're looking at 20 total touches for Brees Hall in the first two weeks, 29 total touches for Michael Carter. Brees Hall already with seven catches, but Mike Michael Carter had seven catches alone week one. He's got 12 on the season, so something we will be paying attention to. Andrew is of the opinion that Brees Hall is going to be the man. I tend to agree with that. Uh, I think um, the draft capital speaks for itself. Whether that happens week uh, three or week seven, week eight, week 10, that's up for debate. But I think it's going to be sooner than later that Brees Hall is going to be the man that you want in New York. A guy that I thought the Giants wanted in New York is Kadarius Tony. First mm. round pick, right? Showed the flashes last year. Very excited about him going into year two. Little trepidation, trepidation at the draft table. Um, and he fell a little bit in a lot of drafts. But... 
I didn't predict, and I wasn't the biggest Kadarius Tony fan. I didn't predict what we've seen so far, where he's basically non-existent in this Brian Dayball offense. Andrew Geller, what is going on with Kadarius Tony in New York right now? I, I honestly, it, people are going to be surprised when I say this, but I think the arrow is actually pointing up with Kadarius moving forward. Now he was banged up. We saw all those injury reports early on. Um, but all the reports, you know, in New York right now is his attitude is positive. You know, coaches are liking what, the, you know, what he's saying. Um, you know, it's just a matter of now kind of getting up to speed, getting fully healthy. And you saw his snaps. I mean, they almost, I mean, he had like seven snaps week one. It was up to 20 something. We, mm-hmm. He's building up, you know, and, and we saw Galladay. He might not even be on a team, you know, in two weeks. We know his locker, which was crazy to me. Yeah. They can't get rid of him at this point. His contract's no. too crazy. No, to, to me, Tony, it's, it's only going to get better and better. Um, I think every week and, and by mid season, I think health, you know, assuming health, of course, but um, that's another guy that just put him on your bench. Don't play him now. You should not be starring him, um, but give it a couple of weeks. And I, and I think he's going to be a fixture in everybody's lineup, you know, moving forward. Yeah. It's something to very interesting. And, and we will, we will be looking forward to what Kadarius Tony does trying to see his snap count right here. So he only had seven, obviously in week one, that was 12% of the giants offensive snaps that quadrupled. He is now 28 snaps total in week two, 38% of, of all the giants offensive snaps. And then he also got three targets this past week um, as well, which he got what zero targets. Yeah. Zero targets week one. Yeah. So hopefully you're right. And this is good news for Kadarius Tony, because right now it's very, very difficult to start him. And we want to start him because he's a prolific yeah. talent. He's a guy that you it, want in your starting lineup. Yeah. And to, to me, the more important thing is his, you know, his attitude, because that's always been, especially here in the New York area. I mean, that's the one thing, you know, he had the kind of the diva uh, persona, if you will. But from all reports, you know, he's committed, you know, he's saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. So it's just a matter of him getting up to speed with uh, this new playbook and having the coaches buy in. But, you know, let's be honest, you know, once he's out there on the field, I th- he's easily the most talented receiver on his team. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it's close. So um, it's just a matter of time. I'm telling you, he's going to be he's going to be a difference maker, especially in these fantasy uh, football tournaments, I think. How do you compare him to Wandale Robinson, just talent-wise? Which I, I know we don't necessarily care about for fantasy, but there is some, you know, there is somewhat of a care as far as when we just look at talent between those two. Are they comparable? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think they they can be used similarly too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they get that fast twitch, you know, burst right right from catching the ball. Um, I think. I think Wandell will be used more closer to the line of scrimmage, you know, and a lot of like bubble screens and uh, even sweeps, you know, rushing plays. Whereas, you know, Tony can stretch the field a little more, I think. Uh, but yeah, similar burst, similar um, explosiveness. So, you know, once he's healthy and Tony's out there, you know, Shepard's actually looking pretty good, which, you know, surprised me how, you me know, too. how good he has looked. Um, I mean, the Giants, the Giants, they have, you know, they have an offense here, you know, that can compete. So, uh, and they're off to 2-0 and start. And really, they haven't played that great offensively. So, it's only going to get better, I think, for the Giants, which, you know, it's been a while since I said that. But I'm, I'm very bullish on them as well. Let's talk about a team that I, I guess you could make a case that has gotten off to a solid start offensively. I mean, they've gotten 53 points total in the first two games. Um 
But their stud player, Kyle Pitts, a guy who went in the late first round that final weekend in the FFPC main event, um, uh, one of the players that that I kind of regretted not getting enough shares of. But now I look at him through the first two weeks, Andrew. He got seven targets week one, only caught two of them for 19 yards. Then he only gets three targets this past week against the Rams. Again, he only catches two of them for 19 yards. He's a prolific player. He is a difference maker at tight end. This is why all these FFPC high-stakes drafters put such a premium on him, yet he's off to a slow start. Can you explain the slow start at all? I, I really can't. I mean, it's, it's just the coaching. It just makes you scratch your head. I mean, plus they were trailing, right? They were tra- uh-huh. trailing all game. How does a guy like that get three targets when you're down 20-something points in a game? It's, it's just, I mean, I'm one of those drafters. I was taking him, you know, in the second. Anytime I saw him, mid to late second, I was taking him. Um, you know, you saw kind of Arthur Smith taking some heat about around the, not using him more, so – uh, I think it's the hours pointed up for sure. I mean, obviously the first two weeks were a disaster, but it would not surprise me if they, they just force feed him the ball this week after all the heat he's getting. And uh, if he was tight end one, you know, after this week, I would not be surprised. So nobody bench this guy. Don't, don't even think about benching him. You just got to roll him out there and it's going to get better. And I think this week you'll see uh, a huge focus and a huge, uh, attempt to get him to rock as much as possible. It's kind of what we saw in week two. I mean, everybody was on Matt LaFleur for not using Aaron Jones enough in week one, only gets eight touches. And then he was almost exclusively used on Sunday night football against the bears where you get a ton of, you know, squeaky wheel getting the grease there as well. And when you talk about uh, not benching him, I'm totally with you. You cannot bench Kyle Pitts, especially in a tight end premium league. You got to keep trotting him out there. He's going to make plays at some point. I am totally on board with that. I'm trying to find right now the um, the total in that game. Oh, Falcon Seahawks. This is a 425 start on Sunday. That game is actually only at 42. The Seahawks are a two-point favorite. You'd like to see Kyle Pitts get involved much earlier. And Arthur Smith, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrew, wasn't he the tight end guy from Tennessee? Wasn't he the guy that was coaching the tight ends there and, and turned in big seasons from like Johnny Smith? And, and, and now with Kyle Pitts, he's – He's got the he's got the yeah. Lamborghini. He's just got a cheat code. Drive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it makes you scratch your head. Uh, it really doesn't make any. I mean, I wish I knew why. It, it, you know, he's a mismatch against anyone. You know, on any team. So the fact that you gave him what three targets in yeah. a game you're trailing all, it, it's just crazy. Now I will say Drake London has looked really good. So I, you know, I was surprised to see how much of a factor he's been. You know, early in the season. So. Um, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Pitts. I still think he's going to be a monster when it's all said and done. But, uh, you know, Drake London could be could be the alpha there as, you know, in, in the short term. I mean, at least Mariota looks like he's favoring him over Pitts for sure. So uh, better days are ahead for sure. So, you know, hopefully you made it out one and one, maybe even two and oh with Pitts on your team. If, right. if that's the case, you know, you're gravy and just – Keep on rolling them out there. <laughs> Chef's kiss on that. Absolutely. You're two and oh with Kyle Putz as your as your first or second round pick. You're doing things right at, at yeah. this point. Um, let's talk about another tight end in Baltimore. Now, Devin Duvernay returns the opening kickoff against the Dolphins for a touchdown. Then he only gets two targets the rest of the way, basically 42 yards and was not involved. And then he got concussed in the fourth quarter. Now, when he got concussed, Isaiah likely came in in this game. 
Isaiah Likely, who in week one, four targets, no catches. Five targets in week two. He catches four of them for 43 yards. And you say, Balky, why do we care? We care because the FFPC is a tight end premium format. If Duvernay can't get ready and he can't clear this concussion for week three, the Baltimore Ravens, who are just involved in a shootout against the Miami Dolphins, will be going up against in week three the New England Patriots. Now, the total on that's only 43 and a half, and the, and the Ravens are a three-point favorite. But is likely a start for you, even though he's going to be behind Mark Andrews on the depth chart, if Duvernay can't go on Sunday? Uh, I mean, that's a tough start still. I mean, I mean, you have to be pretty weak, which, you know, is very much a possibility for a lot of teams right now at tight end. Um, you know, I would still kind of rank him as a low end, you know, tight end one, maybe, a, you know, a higher end tight end two. And at that uh, point, you got to start him, right? I mean, if yeah, that's I mean, have yeah, I mean, if, if you're if you don't have, you know, those eight, nine tight ends, you know, one of those on your roster. Yeah. I mean, I could see st starting him and just, you know, hoping he gets five for 60, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, I feel like the Patriots, too, that's probably not a good matchup. Just, you know, I never like playing Belichick, especially in New England. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not the worst start to me at all, but I mean, I wouldn't advise starting him over, you know, a top 10 option or, you know, top eight option at that point. I but I mean, not many people have top eight, you know, top nine, you know, after the tight ends, I, I tweeted something earlier where it, it's almost like, you know, after the first four, you know, five tight ends, you know, right now, you're pretty much, it's a pretty scary situation out there. Um, yeah. I mean, if you don't have one of those top, you know, three or four elite tight ends, and, you know, somebody, you know, tweeted back Goddard and, and Everett, which, you know, they've been steady as well. But, yeah, you're, you're starting a bunch of guys that you're just praying for 10 points these days. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's pretty thin out there at the tight end spot. Let me throw this at you. We're going to talk about Tyler Higby in a second, so I'm not going to ask you about him. Let's say you're in an FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship. Let's say you drafted Zach Ertz as what? Tight end eight, tight end nine, somewhere mm -hmm. around there. Let's say you got Gerald Everett at like tight end 13 and you picked up Isaiah Likely in the first waiver wire of the year. Could you make a case for starting Ertz, Everett, and Isaiah Likely if Duvernay is out in week three? Jeez. No, I don't think I could. Because <laughs> I mean, you're, that means you're starting, you're starting Likely as a, as a flex option over a wide receiver, which... I mean, if you can't find a better wide receiver right now to play over likely, I mean, you're in real, real trouble. So, so if that uh, if that's the lineup you're trying out with tight ends, you're hamstringing yourself is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. if he was a stud tight end, you know, um, you know, if you had something like Kelsey Waller and let's say even Higby, who's been a beast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd throw Higby in that second flex because he's just been a monster so far. Uh, but you can't I don't think you could throw a shaky borderline, you know, tight end one, two in that flex, unless you're absolutely desperate. It's a bye week or something, but yeah, I would not advise that. Tyler Higby, you just mentioned him 12 catches in two games for the Rams. He has seen 20 targets. He has gotten 110 receiving yards so far. Hasn't found the end zone, but maybe this is good because everybody's sleeping on him at this point. When you look at Higby and the Rams, as, as I look to the, um, the week three schedule, the Los Angeles Rams, Matthew Stafford, Tyler Higbee, Cooper Cup, and the like are playing against the Arizona Cardinals. 
at 425. Juicy matchup. 49 points on the total. The Rams are three and a half point favorites currently. Uh, Higby, is he a must start no matter how you constructed your team? Must start option, Higby. 20 targets through two games. Uh, no Robert Woods. Uh, no Van Jefferson there. No Odell. The target tree is super, super small. You know, you got Cup, you got Allen Robinson, and you got Higby. You know, the running backs are all banged up. You don't really, you know, get much out of the passing game from them. So, I mean, he's got 20 targets in two games. And I've been a Higby stand, you know, since since that, you know, the huge year he had. And shout mm-hmm. out to the fantasy mojo who likes to, you know, put pies in my face every time I mention Higby's name. But um <laughs> This is this is this is a talented guy, and I, I was screaming it always. I'm like, they need to get this guy the ball more. Like every time he got the ball, he produced, and for some reason, McVay would just not go back to him. So it was the most maddening thing I've ever seen. And now he's actually getting that volume. So if you give Higby volume, he's going to be easily a top, you know, five, six tight end. I think in this offense, um, it's just the, the volume is there. And listen, when he has the ball in his hands, he could do you know do big things. So. Uh, I'm all aboard the Higby train, Hig believe, hashtag Hig believe, I say. So uh, if you got if you got Higby, you roll him out there, you know, over in your flex if you have to, if you have another, you know, Kelsey or Waller or something. I'm starting Higby wherever I have him, no matter what. So until until that volume slows down, he's in my lineup. Do you think? I mean, we we heard all off season about the the Stafford elbow concerns. Do you think that that is at all related to maybe why? Higby is getting a lot of these targets uh, over the middle rather than Robinson on the perimeter. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I really just think it's, they don't have those options they had a year ago. Um, you know, Higby, a lot of times was the fourth, fifth option in a passing game. Sometimes, you know, you know, even less. So um, I think he's a strong third passing option on, on an offense that likes to throw the ball. Um, plus you have cup, you know, you know, gaining that coverage or, or getting that attention from the defense. So you're going to see a lot of open holes up the seam with Higby. And as I keep saying, if you get, if you give him the volume, he's going to be, you know, easy tight end one, you know, top 12 tight end. And I think even top five is in his uh, range of outcomes. If he continues to get this volume for sure. Non-tight end premium league. I was in a private dynasty league. I'm in, I had to make some cut downs for dynasty and I had to make a decision between Tyler Higby and TJ Hawkinson. And I guess wrong. Really, really wishing I would have kept Higby instead of Hawkinson. But such is life, such is fantasy. Also on that same private dynasty league team, I have James Cook. Now, let's look at him from a redraft perspective. Week one, opening night, FFPC viewing party. What a tremendous time it was. I know you were there, Andrew. It was great. One carry, two yards, no targets. Then week two comes. Monday night, 11 carries, 53 yards, including a 33-yard run. He got a target in that game as well, but it was a blowout against the Titans. Can we glean anything with James Cook's usage in that game as far as what we can correlate, what he's going to do the rest of the season now? Or do we just have to throw out that performance, say, hey, both teams, they knew it was a blowout. Um, Nobody was doing anything that game. James uh, James Cook was just in in garbage time. How do you view Cook's usage? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so I was I was really high on Cook, you know, coming out of college and, and going to, to the Bills. And, you know, the draft capital was there, second round pick, so... I was very bullish, but uh, I did a lot of talking to my to my guys in Buffalo. Shout out to the Draft Sharks crew, um, Adam, Mike Shope, Louis G. So they were giving me the intel in Buffalo. You know, they're all Buffalo guys that they didn't see. You know, a big role for James Cook this year. Um, you know, even you know before the season started, you know they they thought it was going to be Singletary um, and kind of you know just mixing Cook here and there. Uh, but just looking at this team through two weeks, even taking what they said, you know, at face value, this they're so good, the Bills. They're going to be ahead almost in every game. So to me, a guy like James Cook is going to lose value just from, you know, that's not his role. You know, he's, he's a pass catching back. So if they're going to be playing from ahead in, in you know, 90% of games, you know, I don't envision a huge role moving forward. I mean, I think he's more explosive, you know, than a Singletary for sure. Uh, he's definitely their best best pass catching back, but this team is so loaded offensively. I don't know that they even need him, as crazy as that sounds. So um, I don't know what's going to happen this year. You know, obviously you got to hold him for sure. And you know, I'm not high on Singletary. I think he's kind of just a, just a guy, especially you know in the receiving game. He doesn't really bring much to the table there. So um, he's a he's a clear stash, James Cook at this point. Um, if anything ever happened to Singletary, you know, you know. I could see more carries, you know, that's another thing too. People are very down on him actually getting, you know, a significant number of touches, you know, as far as the running game goes, but uh, yeah, I would say right now, just hold him, um, kind of see if his role grows a little bit. I wouldn't put much stock in what we saw last night. Just, I mean, it was a blowout. There's, you know, they wanted to get Singletary out of there. I mean, if anything, that would probably make me even more down on him since he's in the game up, you know, 35, 40 points. And right. they just sit Singletary, you know, to keep him healthy. So, yeah, clear stash and hold. Uh, that's really all you could do. You can't start him with any confidence at all right now. And just, you know, just kind of read the tea leaves and see kind of where maybe his role grows as we move along. But uh, I'm a little yeah sour on, on James Cook. Definitely was more bullish before the season started. Let's continue the conversation on running backs uh, and about about two running backs that I really don't know if they're safe to start this week. If James Conner misses, which we found out that the ankle injury, according to Ian Rappaport, is 
not considered long-term or serious, but it's James Conner. Let's be frank. Everything is long-term and serious with him, no matter how innocent the injury appears. We don't know what he's going to do. We, that we're, we're recording this here on, on Tuesday evening. We don't know what the practice report's going to look like. But let's just say Connor is ruled out. Eno Benjamin in this game after Connor, well, not even after Connor left, throughout the whole game, Benjamin had one more touch than Daryl Williams. Um, now, I believe Williams got into the end zone, uh, but Benjamin still had one more touch than him. If Connor is out this week, how useful are either of these players? And I, I look at it from a zero RB standpoint. If you drafted Williams, if you drafted Benjamin, and you're looking to maybe plug these guys in if Connor's out, how useful can they be if they're both going to be cannibalizing each other for touches? Or do you believe that one of these guys will take the lead role over the other? So I don't believe one will take the lead role. But what looks, you know, to me is that Daryl Williams is the backup to Connor, you know, in terms of rushing attempts that's what the mm-hmm. role looks like where i had hoped Eno would kind of just assume that i think he has that three down skill set so it's kind of a bummer seeing daryl williams still taking that large you know of a share of the backfield so i think moving forward you treat both of them like flex options you know nothing more um for sure pick up both if they're available in your leagues um i'm assuming eno's mostly owned at least in ffpc he's mostly owned yeah, yeah. but daryl williams He's definitely out there in a ton of leagues, so that's probably the number one waiver wire uh, pickup, assuming Connor uh, is out this week, which he still might not be out. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I still think no matter what, Eno is going to play that Chase Edmonds role, you know, regardless of whether it's Connor or it's Daryl Williams. So I think there's value there. I just, you're not, I don't think you're going to see that smash, you know, workhorse, you know, RB two, RB one upside with Eno like a lot of us owners envision before the season. So, which is unfortunate, but uh, I still think there's value. You know, we were drafting Eno around 13, 14, sometimes later. Uh, you're getting like a, a weekly flex option. I mean, that's still pretty good. Uh, I just don't know if that ceiling is quite there for Eno, which is, yeah, disappointing. It, it, yeah, it is disappointing. I, I mean, I was drafting Benjamin over Williams. I mean, I Same, most yeah. people were. Yeah, and and yeah. I, I I think it's frustrating. <laughs> and the other thing too is like, and I think you kind of just answered it. If you're looking at rostering one of these guys for the upcoming week, or maybe just going forward, and you only have one spot on your roster, you're going at this point. You're going Daryl Williams over Benjamin, right? That's a tough one. Well, I maybe still not. Think, maybe, yeah. I, maybe I assumed incorrectly here. <laughs> I just think I think Eno is the more explosive back. I think he has that skill set where he can carry the load. So to me, it's just, I mean, if you're going to play the more talented back, which to me is Eno Benjamin for sure. But you know, Daryl. But Williams now we're is just, now we're guessing what Cliff Kingsbury is going to do. Right, which, yeah, and that's a know. mistake. Yeah, exactly. So that, I mean, he's a safe. You know, he's. He does what you want him to do. He doesn't flash at all Daryl Williams, but he gets you, you know, three and a half, four yards of carry. He catches the ball. So he does just enough to play. But to me, Eno is that guy that has that – he has that upside that Daryl Williams, I, I don't see a hat that, you know, he has that in, in him. So, But like you said, it, it's up to these coaches a lot of times. And in their eyes, they could be like, all right, we're going, rolling Daryl Williams out there, 90% of the touches, and we'll let Eno be a change of pace back for, you know, for 20 snaps or whatever. So – to me, unfortunately, I think it's Daryl Williams is probably the the primary benefactor to James Conner, and Eno is still going to play that same role he has in the first two weeks. 
the important thing is if either of these guys are on your waiver wire, snag them. Pick I'm them up. Sure this Absolutely. And, and yeah. Figure it out later. Get the asset. Figure out how to deploy the asset later. That's the advice that we can yep. give with uh, FFPC waivers not going off until Wednesday, uh, which is tomorrow evening. Um, all right. Brian Robinson, the latest report we got about him, which roughly a week ago, uh, a week ago tomorrow, he was doing side work at commander's practice. Adam Schefter also reported that there is a realistic chance that Robinson is back for week five against the Titans. So, I mean, I don't, I looked at my, especially my Kentucky leagues. I, I saw he was available in a couple of them last week. I put in some bids on him. Quite frankly, I'm not sure if I got him because I was more you know, interested in the <laughs> players that were going to be playing in week two when I set my lineups. But if he's out there or if you have him, the bye week gauntlet starts week six. And I guess this question is answered for us if he comes back in week five. But if he's not, Andrew, how hard are you going to fight to keep this guy on your roster knowing that Antonio Gibson is still there in Washington as well as J.D. McKissick? Yeah, it's, it, to me, that's a guy, if, if he's out there, I would pick him up now for cheap if he can, just to, to stash on your bench. Um, like you said, we're going to know, you know, he's, he's he can play week five. So he, I, we're going to definitely know more news, you know, whether that's positive or negative prior to, you know, the bye week uh, starting. So, um, and I love Gibson. I'm a, I'm a Gibson stan. Anyone who follows me knows that. But uh, this Washington offense looks, you know, elite. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that with Carson Wentz at the helm, but I mean, you Curtis want Samuel, you kind of, baby. Just Curtis Samuel, I mean, this whole, I mean, the whole offense, I mean, yeah. they're, they're loaded. So, I mean, to me, you want to kind of grab pieces if you can. And, you know, we know the coaching staff isn't enamored with, with uh, Gibson. We saw that in the preseason, they're ready to give the job to, to Robinson in the preseason. So uh, yeah, to me, he's an easy uh, stash and just kind of, you know, wait for news to come out and, 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 I saw the the video of him. I don't know if you saw that too. Practicing running the tight ropes or whatever. I mean, he looked like he looked amazing. Yeah. So I honestly think I, I thought it was crazy that he could be back. You know, you know, towards you know before the end of the year. But I, I don't think it's that crazy. This is a guy that you know he looks super motivated to come back and looks to be completely healthy, which is in, you know insane to say. But uh, yeah, to me, he's a must, a must add if he's out there and just stash and, uh, you know, a couple of Gibson fumbles and you never know what could happen. And, uh, if you have the bench space, definitely pick him up. When I was in Louisville for the Kentucky fantasy football state championship, um, two weeks before Las Vegas, I was in a Sunday evening draft. Um, and a lot of heavy hitters in that draft. We had the former Kentucky champs turned FFPC league champs in Darren Larson. Brad Petrie were in that draft. Jay Reed, Danny Miller, former guests of this show. Um, a ton of really good, good players. Ralph Siobhan, who you might know from RT Sports, he was in that draft, drafting next to me. Wasn't a fan of that either. Um, but uh, a lot of really good players. Brad Taylor was also in that draft. Brad Taylor does radio. And I want to say in Lexington, Kentucky. I could be wrong in that. But I know he does radio on Sundays. He can only make it to the, to the very tail end of the KFFSC every year live. And he showed up for this Sunday evening draft. And then I want to say in like round nine or round 10, he drafted Ryan, Brian Robinson. We're the only draft going on. And the proctor, Bob Butterfield, another former guest of the <laughs> HSFF hour, uh, Bob Butterfield says to him, you know, he got shot. And then Brad Taylor's reaction was, what, today? And, you know, like as if 
a week ago would have been okay or two weeks right, ago. Right, right, right. But he'd say, oh, he got to, yeah, like just hours ago he was shot. Gentleman's agreement, we just let him pick over again. Uh, we didn't oh, care. Uh, so Brad Brad took somebody else. Brian Robinson did not go drafted in that draft. Nobody wow. took him. Not in the 18th, not in the 19th. Not in the, and I looked at my draft, and I was pretty happy with my team afterwards, but I was looking at it. God, nobody took Robinson? I don't know what the gunshot wound return ratio is. I, right. didn't, know, I didn't know where it was shot. <laughs> I don't know if it hurt ligaments or whatever, but I kind of regretted. I'm like, God, I probably should have just taken a chance on Brian Robinson before I took a kicker or something like that, and I did but if he's out there, like you just yeah. said, pick him up. If you have him on your team, keep the faith, and you never right. know what's going to happen. Like you said, a fumble here or a fumble there for Gibson, all of a sudden things open up again. I love that analysis. That is yeah, good analysis absolutely. of Brian Robinson. Absolutely. I mean, this Washington offense, I mean, I think everyone is just taken back at how good, you know, how potent they look. And mm-hmm. I think it's for real. I mean, you got you – got, if Samuel's healthy, you got three stud receivers. You got a good running game. Uh, tight end, they're you know they're solid, t- solid there also. Um, Logan Thomas looks like he's all the way back. I mean, mm-hmm. the NFC East looks like a, a looks like the a, AFC a West. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm telling you, you the Eagles, last, uh, the yeah. Eagles. Oh, it was insane watching them. Washington and and Dallas. I mean, well, a lot of people thought that Dallas was the team to beat, and now we don't know with Prescott. Yeah. But then they pull out a win against Cincinnati. New York, we've been talking about. What's your feeling on Barkley this year? Oh, my God. I'm glad you brought him up. So I think right now, if you ask me moving forward, I would probably – I'd probably still take JT and, and, and McCaffrey. He's right there after him, though. He, his usage is insane. I think he got, what, 25 touches. They have nobody else. I think the Breida might have got two. I mean, the usage is, is crazy. He looks healthy. I know he got off to a slow start in the first half or whatever, but – if you got Barkley in the end of the second round, you paired him with one of these JJ or a Cupper. I mean, the sky is the limit. I mean, you're you're just you're, you're looking at towards week 15 right now in my eyes. And uh, I know there was I forget one team. It might have been Hubbard even. I think it was Hubbard. He got McCaffrey, Barkley, and I think he got Kamara in round three, like an early May FBG. I mean, Kamara. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but. Can you imagine having those three those three running backs no, together? It's it's the only one in the whole tournament, I think. Yeah. But he was going so late, ended his second into that early third in those early ones. I mean, it's just a monster advantage. So pat yourself on the back. If you got you got late, you know, second round Saquon, assuming health, knock on wood, he's gonna be, you know, just an easy top five running back, if not number number one, RB one is in his outcomes for sure. I had a, a buddy over to watch games in week two, and he had a prop bet on Saquon Barkley, I think over 76 and a half rushing yards. And I'm like, well, God, the guy got like 170, 180 total yards week one. Yeah, that seems right. And he was just getting stuffed. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah. and we kind of wrote it off. And then some other dude finished with 72 rushing yards. So, he, I mean, he still lost the prop, but he made it close at the end. I'm kind of yeah. thinking like, God, are we looking at Saquon Barkley the year where he just absolutely crushed it, where anything was possible? This uh, the is type it. of the, the type of player where he can have 20 some rushing yards in the fourth quarter and just go off, you know? Yeah. And, he's, and- he, he's motivated. He's healthy. He's playing for a contract. I mean, the stars are all aligned. The offense, you know, we were playing in like the stone age under Gettleman and the previous regime. Uh, I mean, this is like a whole new world to him. So uh, I wish I had more Saquon and, you know, I was trying to, by the end of it, I mean, he was going in late first, mid first, even some drafts. So, if you were lucky enough to get him in the mid late second round, I mean, it's just a huge, huge advantage, I think. So, yeah. 
let's go to the uh, YouTube chat right now. I, I got the uh, the trade offer up from Caden, the Colts fan, who's a viewer of the show. This is an interesting trade, and I don't know which way to fall on it currently. So he would be giving up Cooper Cup and Javante Williams, and he gets back in return Devontae Adams. I'm assuming Gabe Davis for the sake of this conversation. Let's assume Gabe Davis, and he gets DeAndre Swift. Now, normally, Andrew, in these trades, I always like to be on the side where I, I am getting fewer players because it usually means I'm getting the best player or maybe the best two players in the deal. But, man, I, I know Devontae Adams had a week. He had a, he had a very poor week, too. Very few targets. But I know he's going to be a target monster the rest of the year. I know Swift was a little banged up, but he had a solid week, too. And Gabe Davis missed week, too. But I think he's going to be a big difference maker in Buffalo for the remainder of the season. Cooper Cup's been still been otherworldly. Javante Williams has been huge in the passing game. How do you fall in on this deal? Because I'm not really sure which way. Maybe it comes down to who he's cutting to pick up this extra player yeah. if he gets the Adams Davis Swift uh, end of the deal. I, I would make this trade in a heartbeat myself, to be honest with you, because okay. I'm just looking at it. I think Swift is a better option. I love Javante, but I'll take Swift. Rest you of the like season. Swift better than Williams? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So now, then you're getting Devontae Adams and Gabe Davis for Cooper Cup. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take those two guys for Cooper Cup. I mean, Devontae Adams. You, you know, you're not giving him two schlubs here, right now. Right. As great yeah. as Cooper Cup is, Devontae is what fifth, sixth best receiver in fantasy. So yeah. And you're getting Gabe Davis, who you know could be a top twenty receiver, easy. So uh, I like that trade. Get take the take the extra player back, and, and I think you're you're straight there. You know, I'm just looking at this too. The last two days of the FFPC main event drafting, Devonte Adams was drafted as wide receiver five, and Gabe Davis was drafted as wide receiver fifteen. I did not realize that he was going that high. Um, and Swift, you see some crazy stuff in Vegas. That's you true. Know, I, I was in a, it was funny at those draft tables in my last main, uh, I was drafted next to Glenn Lowy. Great guy, yep. by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I was at the 103, you know, he was at the 104. Devontae Adams came back to him in round two. He took Cooper really? Cup. He took Cup in one after the Thursday night game. So I was surprised. That's insane. Said, yeah. That's insane. And then Cup, or sorry, Devontae falls to, what is that? Two nine. Two nine. Which is insane. I was looking at him. I'm like, this is you don't. This is the type of stuff you don't see online. I don't, this is just Vegas mains. I saw Kelsey fall to two four in one. I actually went up to one of the tables uh, for that draft. I'm like, guys, what are you doing here? And it, <laughs> how are you gonna let Travis Kelsey fall, fall to two four? I mean, yeah. you know what it is too, Balky. I think a lot of the times when these owners don't have the draft, the queue up, they don't have the site they're looking at. They're not oh, looking at the queue be. of players. They're not seeing a guy like Devonta Adams screaming, pick me, yep. pick me, pick me. So they don't, he just kind of slips through the cracks and he falls to, you know, the 21st, whatever, picking a draft. It's just, I was sitting there because I was picking next. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to take him. He's going to take him. He's going to take. And of course he took him. You know, Glenn's yeah. a super sharp guy. So um, yeah, it's just interesting to see that, that, uh, uh, the difference from these online mains and what you see out there in Vegas. So I, I loved it though. It it's, awesome. it's, you know, it's funny about that is like, I've heard for years that, oh, it's way easier to draft online ways. Oh yeah. It's it like, but something like for the point you just made, sometimes I wonder if, if maybe it is a little bit softer at certain parts of the, draft oh, the live yeah, players, you know, for sure. Yeah. Actually this year I was in, I, I thought tougher tables, tougher rooms than I was last year, but 
yeah, you just see stuff like that. You're not, you don't see anywhere else. It's just, you hope to be in one of those rooms where that guy falls to you and just, uh, yeah, it's just, it was just crazy to, to see some of these guys falling into these spots. So, um, let's talk about week three here, a player that you think maybe not a lot of people will be starting this week that you think a lot of people should be because he's in for a big week three. And then maybe a guy that you think a lot of FFPC players will be trotting out in their starting lineups that maybe they shouldn't be because you think he's in for a, uh, a really bad week. Yeah. So, um, one guy that, that I want to be starting that I think a lot of people won't be is Damien Pierce. Mm. Uh, I know we saw, you know, the, the first week, how a lot of people kind of nervous and, and rightfully so he played like 30% of the snaps only, but we saw those roles reverse with Burkhead in, in week two, where, it was Damian Pierce leading the way and he got 60, 65% of his snaps and Burkhead, they kind of reversed and Burkhead played like 30%. Um, but I went back and, and I just watched those runs. I mean, he, he's electric carrying a ball. Like he, uh, you know, he's fun to watch and, and I think better days are, are ahead. I think, uh, I think, you know, the Texans are, an offense, I'm kind of bullish on them. I think there a lot of people are, are too down on them. That, that division it looks weak to me. Um, I think I'm going to kind of lean on on Pierce moving forward. And, and you know, Burkhead's, what, 32, 33 years old. We know what he is. Pierce has a lot of juice. He's explosive. Uh, huge burst through the line. So I'm really – I'm still impressed. I know a lot of people, you know, were down on him after week one. But I think he's a guy that you could safely roll into your RB2 slots this week. Before you get to the player you want to sit, I'll just bring this up. Week one, Damian Pierce, 20 snaps. Rex Burkhead, hold on, 50 snaps. Yeah. I wanted to make sure I was reading that right because that seems yep. like a lot. But Damian Pierce, 20, Rex Burkhead, 50. This past week, Rex Burkhead, he goes from 50 to 23 snaps. Damian Pierce goes from 20 all the way up to 39. So he almost doubled his snap count in week two. We're always looking for the new normal. This could be the new normal in Houston with Pierce having not only an uptick in snap counts, but obviously in touches, in targets, in receptions, uh, in, in everything, in yardage. So I think you're right, uh, right on with Pierce there. Now for a guy that that a lot of people will be starting that should not be started, who's that player? Yeah, this is going to pain me a little bit, but it's the guy that, uh, it, that I'm going to bench, I think that most people would probably be starting, you might have to, is Travis Etienne. Ooh. And that, yeah, and I was, you know, I was very bullish in the preseason, uh, like everyone else. You know, I didn't think James Robinson was going to come back as fast as he did. But I mean, if you look at their usage, so they were they were kind of split week one. But uh, last week, I mean, James Robinson got 60, 65 percent of the snaps, 23, 25 touches. And I think Etienne got 12, maybe. Um, I mean, this is James Robinson's backfield right now. So um, they are away at, at the Chargers. So you figure, you know, they could be playing from behind, which would benefit ETN. But I think you got a bench him right now. And uh, I mean, it's tough to say with some of the injuries out there. And if you have two better running backs right now, which might not be the case. So I, I can understand having to start him. But uh, if I have two top 20-ish running backs, they're they're starting over eighteen, and I'm going to find a wide receiver in my flex. Uh, you just you got to wait to see it. I mean, right now, you know he's getting 10, 12 touches, and he's not doing much with them. So uh, I hate to say it. I mean, he's he's a desperation flex at this point. Right. So, and this is a guy that was going second round, you know, in August, you know, 
crazy. You know, he dropped, he was dropping towards the end, you know, and the, and the draft season, which, you know, I, I did a draft with the goat district guys. We got him in the early fourth and we were high fiving. Like, yeah. This is amazing. You should have been. I would have yeah. been. Too. Yeah. And now, and now two weeks later, I'm like, ugh, I don't even want to start this guy. Yeah. But it's it's just kind of where we are right now. And James Robinson, once again, you know, he was going, what, round 12, 13 in fantasy drafts? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, like, yeah. I, I, I'm of the opinion that James Robinson, there is nothing that you can do to him that will slow him down for fantasy. Put him on a horrible team. He's still a top five running back. Tear his Achilles. He's back week one the following year. Put him in the same backfield with Travis Etienne, and he's doubling his snap count. With uh, the, 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 it's insane. Robinson um, had 34 snaps week one. Uh, Etienne had 36. This past week, Robinson was out there for 45, so he goes up by about 25%, and Etienne down to 26. Okay, so you're talking about Robinson almost on the field twice as much as Travis Etienne. Yeah. I totally regret starting Robinson. Uh, or not starting Robinson last right. week. And I have a couple of dynasty leagues where I had Robinson and I went out of my way to acquire Etienne. Now I'm wondering what the hell I was doing because I should have just kept Robinson. But it's a long season. We'll see what happens there. Yeah, and, and, I, this week. And, and I think Etienne, he's going to be, listen, it's early on. I, I think he's late in the season. You're going to see his role grow more. And, you know, he's definitely more dynamic, you know, pass catcher and in space and Jesus Robinson. But to your, to your point, I mean, this guy, Robinson, he's just a bull. I mean, this guy, there's no give up in this kid. So he's going to be there. He's going to be there all year, you know, assuming he's healthy. So yeah, I mean, a ceiling that I thought was, you know, Alvin Kamara for ETN. It's definitely not Alvin Kamara. You know, you're looking at maybe flex low RB two moving forward. Um, obviously if anything happens to Robinson, uh, you know, he'd be a RB one. Right. But again, you need an injury and the, us drafters did not believe we needed, we needed another James Robinson injury for him to pay off, but that's what it looks to be the case right now. Yeah. Right now it does. Absolutely. Right. Final question of the night here, Gills, and it comes from B dubs in the chat room. He wants to know what to do with Darnell Mooney, keep starting him or bench him. Now Mooney, as a reminder, for those of you who did not see, Week one, three targets, one catch, eight yards. Ah, things got to be better week two. Nah, not so much. Two targets, one catch for negative four yards. And granted, he went up against some pretty tough secondaries in the Niners and the Packers in weeks one and two. But Justin Fields didn't look at all interested in passing the ball on Sunday night. 11 total attempts, only 70 yards. I think we're right to be concerned about Mooney at this point. Um, I don't necessarily know if you need to start looking at benching him, but I mean, Ayuk is probably a better start than him this week. Elijah Moore. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. Jerry Judy can go, I'm starting Curtis Samuel this week um, over, over um, Darnell Mooney for sure. Um, those are all players I'd be looking at. How do you view Darnell Mooney and what's happened so far guilds? Yeah, I would, you know, it's really roster dependent, but to me, he's definitely bench worthy. If you, I mean, he was going in the fifth, sixth round. So, I mean, you're, you're going to have a good three or four better options, most likely. You should, yeah. You know, assuming they're healthy. So, um, I know I'm, a couple of my teams, I do have, I have like an Elijah Moore versus Mooney, or um, like you said, Ayuk versus Mooney, where I'm taking the, the other guy in those situations. Now you're definitely going to be on, you know, forced to start him on some teams again with some injuries and whatnot. But um, 
Yeah, it's rough out there. I want to say I'm bullish, you know, but Fields just, he scares me. He really does. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know that he can play. I mean, you know, this, the, the tools are all there. He's got the arm. He's got the legs. It's just, you see him out there. He gets frazzled. He, he makes one read and you feel like if, he, if that player's not open, it's like hell breaks loose. Yeah. So I, I don't know that he's going to be, I mean, he might need more time. I, I don't know. But uh, uh, I mean, if I'm forced to start Mooney, you know, I'll start him, but I'm not opposed to benching him for, you know, a top 30 ish top 36 wide receiver right now. Take it with a grain of salt when I say this, because one of the things, in, and I host a, a um, uh, sports talk show in Northeast Wisconsin during, during the day. And I, I hate, hate, hate unnamed sources. Cause for all I know, people could be making it up. And if you're not going to attribute it, don't say it, which I totally should subscribe to. I'm not going to right now. A little birdie who I trust told me, that the Bears players, the Bears coaches, less than enthralled with Justin Fields as their starting quarterback. So I kind of avoided him in, in drafts this year. I did not avoid Cole Komet. I have him in a few spots. I did not oh. avoid Darnell Mooney a few spots. I have him in a few spots. And Cole Komet's a whole different discussion. 0.0. He's on pace for no points this year. Coming up on week three of the season. He's on pace for no fantasy points. Oh my crazy. gosh. But but um I'm 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 still even after what I saw in that first quarter with the Packers and Bears on Sunday night football where the Bears look pretty good. I'm still not not at all crazy about Fields and, and that offense. I could be wrong, and this source could be wrong as well. And maybe Fields ends up, you know, turning on and has a great season. I'm just not seeing it right now. Yeah, the problem too is you know, with these high draft picks, quarterbacks especially, I mean we're these these days we tend to see it early on with these guys, right? You could kind of spot if they have it right away, and right. So this is year two, and you're still kind of having those questions, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would think it kind of would click click uh, for him by now. But real quick for you, Balky, I know you're a Wisconsin guy. Yeah. Me and one of my partners, uh, Mike Pareka, we were uh, oh yeah talking about former FFPC main event champ. Yeah, Absolutely. Mike P, great player, great guy. But we're discussing Romeo Dubs. Yep. And he's kind of down on him. And I'm trying to say, give this guy some more time. You know, who's in front of him? Sammy Watkins, you know, uh, Cobb. You know, to me, I'd rather hold a guy like that for now. But I was kind of curious if there's any insight in that area. Like, wh what are they saying about Dubs? Is he a guy that you think is going to get more involved as we move along? Yeah, this, this is a great question. So for Dobbs, for me, everybody and their mother was falling all over him, to uh, all over themselves to draft him in like the 12th round, then the 11th round, then the 10th round. And I saw him going to some single-digit rounds as well. I'll say this about Dobbs. There was a ton of people in Northeast Wisconsin very excited about this player, thinking that he could be um, a, a um, long-term number two in Green Bay, whether it was with Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, so on and so forth. For this year, I was always kind of bearish on him because I was like, you know, that's great, but Rodgers loves Lazard. Rodgers single-handedly brought Randall Cobb back to this team. Rodgers mm -hmm. talks about Robert Tunyon a ton. They already invested into Christian Watson in the second round. So there's a lot of competition with yeah. Dobbs. And for me, I just kind of forgot about him because I'm like, well, I'm not taking him in the 12th round because he's the number you know, four option or behind Aaron Jones, number five option on his own team. That said, you and I and the rest of the world know Sammy Watkins is not making it through 17. Exactly. Yeah. Randall Cobb, Cobb like has not shown, old, he yeah. has not shown to be a threat at all in this offense. Now Lazard, maybe, but if you looked at that game on Sunday night, 
I don't think anybody had more than four catches. I don't know if anybody had more than six targets in that game. So even if Dobbs becomes a player who is going to be a top three receiver or maybe even a top two receiver based on performance or injury, I still wonder how much attention he is going to get from Aaron Rodgers, who historically has not thrown uh, to his rookie receivers before. Um, I like the upside, and and I, I like what he could do, and I'm going to fight to keep him on my roster if I okay. have him. That said, this offense is going to revolve around Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, and that defense to, to keep, you know, it's not the Aaron Rodgers teams of old. So, yes, there's I can definitely see a path where Dobbs crushes it, and he ends up being a potential league winner. I just don't think it's likely. That's okay. my personal uh, that's good intel, yeah, and I tend to agree with you. It's just, yeah, I want to give the kid more time. Just, yeah, it's, oh, it's hard should. dropping kids, you know, especially. I would not this, drop him. Yeah, I would not drop him. You I, hear I, that, I, Mike P? Balky's yeah. telling you right now, don't, don't drop, drop him yet. I mean, like, you, <laughs> if you get into some dire straits and and you figure, oh God, I, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta drop somebody here. Maybe Dobbs becomes that player. But yeah. Don't drop him for like the flavor of the week or anything like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, you're you're speaking my language. Yeah. Okay. Go. Good to hear, Balky. You've been um, uh, something good to hear all night here. We have gone way over time, which is fine because we had a lot of, there's a lot of meat on the bone. I think we ate through a lot of it, which was good stuff. Um, I wish you nothing but the best of luck in week three and going forward with all your teams. I know you got some pretty good ones in the main event and the Football Guys Players Championship as you're chasing a million dollar grand prize in the main mm. event. $500,000 grand prize in the Football Guys Players Championship. We will all continue to follow you at the underscore guilds on Twitter. Andrew Geller, a five-time top 10 overall finisher in uh, high-stakes fantasy football and baseball contests and a seven-time FFPC main event and Football Guys League champ. Thank you, sir. Good luck on waivers this week. Good luck in your leagues this week. Thank you, Balky. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and Vegas for having me on the podcast. And oh, Farrell, absolutely. Farrell's a great guy, too. I enjoyed my meeting him in person, so... Uh, wish you guys the best of luck and uh yeah thanks for having me on i really appreciate it you got it man be good we'll do this again soon thank you andrew geller ladies and gentlemen popping on the underscore guilds on twitter always good to hear from him a lot of good stuff here tonight i think we covered it all we had roster um manipulation we had lineup decisions we had um draft analysis from some of his drafts tonight um whatever it was that we didn't get to tonight I apologize because I just didn't think of it, but we will be back next week. Um, and I think we're going to have another luminary on, on the road of his high stakes lowdown. I think I have to check my email, but I think we've hammered down next Tuesday, 930, central, uh, a guy who's won a ton of FFPC main events and football guys, players, championship leagues, uh, Rob Vieira, who uh, I believe started off week two in second place in the FFPC main event overall in that chase for a million bucks, but he's going to be on the program uh, next week. Do not forget a few things. Number one, Better Sports Network tomorrow, 10 p.m. until midnight, Eastern time. It will be me. It will be Devin Knotts from footballguys.com. You can watch us on Twitter and YouTube. I don't recommend that. I recommend going to your Android store, your Google Play store, and your, uh, your iOS uh, app store. Download the uh, Better Sports Network app so you can watch us right on the app. That way you will have access to the fun button, which will give you access to all the great prizes we give away. We gave away a ton of NFL signed uh, jerseys uh, in, in the first couple of weeks on the Better Sports Network, whether it was my show or uh, Corey Parsons show, Nando, Nando DeFino's show, all these, uh, uh, Rick Hamlin's show, all these great shows that we have on there. 
Uh, we gave away a ton of stuff this past week. We're going to be giving away a ton of stuff this week. Go to the uh, App Store or um, Google Play, Better Sports Network. Download the app so you have a chance at winning all those great prizes. That is 10 p.m. until 12 a.m. We'll have your first look at FFPC waivers tomorrow as well. Myself and Devin Knotts from Football Guys will analyze those as well. We might get into some DFS stuff as well. Speaking of DFS stuff, do not forget about the brand new FFPC Weekly Challenge. It is the playoff challenge format. No draft or salary cap. Choose 10 players or choose 12 players by Sunday's kickoff, and then you can watch them all the way through the weekend's games. Only one player per team. $35 to enter or $200 to enter, and you can win up to $10,000. 30-team and 150-team contests. You can play the Classic with the Kicker and D or the Slim without the Kicker and D. You can enter up to three times in the 30-team contest or five teams in the 150-team contest as well. MyFFPC.com is your home for that, so make sure you're checking that out. Uh, without further ado, I will just tease this. Um, Friday night, in addition to the Better Sports Network, we will be live, a high-stakes fantasy football hour at 10-9 Central right here on the FFPC YouTube channel. Myself, Farrell Elliott, and one of the luminaries, one of the studs from week two in high-stakes fantasy football will be joining us as well. That is at 10-9 Central. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. We will be back next Tuesday uh, for the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown with Rob Vieira. Good luck in your waivers and your lineups for week three. Hopefully the ball bounces your way, and we will talk with you again on the BSN uh, app tomorrow, HSFFOR on Friday, with the road of his high-stakes lowdown on Tuesday night. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Thank you.